You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe. I'm the Lonely Diplomat, and I'm also really glad that you're here. This podcast is all about helping diplomats and those who live the diplomatic life reconnect with themselves and the world around them. I created The Lonely Diplomat after I realized that I was lonely while on a diplomatic posting. I searched for support and advice online and sought the advice and support of a counseling service, but nothing spoke to me and what it's really like to live the diplomatic life. I found some support and began reconnecting with myself and putting me into my work and into the world. I then saw that others could benefit from what I'd learned, so I created the support that I'd needed. And now, here you are, listening to episode 59 of my podcast, one of the services I provide to support you as you live your diplomatic life. The episode is proudly recorded, edited, and uploaded in Canberra, which of course you know is Australia's capital city, but it's on Ngunnawal country, and I humbly acknowledge and pay my respects to Ngunnawal elders past, present, and emerging. I also want to acknowledge and welcome all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and other First Nations peoples listening, wherever you are in the world. I want to give you a few quick reminders before we jump into the episode. First, I think you're awesome. It takes courage. It always takes courage to engage with content on loneliness. So if you're coming back for another episode, or if this is the first time you've pressed play, I'm really proud of you and I'm grateful that you're here. After the episode, be sure to check out thelonelydiplomat.com. There's a link in the show notes that will take you to my services that support you as you reconnect with yourself and the world around you. The website is also a great place to start if what you hear really speaks to you and you want to explore your loneliness as you live your diplomatic life, well, as you live your life really, and you want to become more you and be an awesome diplomat. In this episode, you're going to be joining me and my beautiful partner Jeff for a chat about him, me, and us. But this is a really special episode. Not only is this a conversation with Jeff, but this is also the very first episode that brings together both my podcasts, this The Lonely Diplomat podcast and Connection Over Coffee with The Loneliness Guy. And in this very special episode, Jeff and I recorded some magic. We were both here for it, but the conversation went in a direction that I hadn't really intended it. We each had some questions to ask each other, and that was sourced from members of my team at The Loneliness Guy. And the plan was to ask each other some questions that gave you an insight into Jeff, into me, and why I am so passionate about loneliness, and into us. Because there's so much more of me and us in this work, but I realize that you might not see it, even after 59 episodes and like heaps of blog content. As is so often the case when conversations are real, open, and honest, it went where it needed to go. We spoke on how loneliness has shown up in our lives and how it's fueled connection for each of us and how we came to live together and how each of us approaches life individually and as part of this awesome team. And the episode was so much better for it. Finally, this conversation is going to cover some topics that might trigger you. 
I want to make sure that at this point you're feeling strong and ready to have a kind and honest conversation about loneliness and tough times in life. If you're not feeling up to it now or at any time during the conversation, remember, please press pause and come back once you're ready. And Remember, the world needs you and you are worthy of love and belonging right now, just as you are. I'm really glad that you're here. If you're ready, let's jump right on in. I'm really glad that you're here. If you're ready, let's jump in. Jeffrey Bartlett, welcome to the podcasts. Thank you for having me. After all this time. <laughs> I know, I know. Listener, viewer, I have to say that Jeff is, well, the... F- I don't. I think like one of the only people who listens to most episodes of both podcasts, um, and so it's actually well exciting, nerve wracking having you here. But we're having a having a chat, like a, essentially getting to know us chat. Yep. So us as awesome individuals, us as a team, um, and I thought this is like a really good way of kind of just having a natural chat as much as a chat can be natural when there's like a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Make it as natural as we can. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yes, this is, we are recording this, uh, on our dining room table. Um, and through the magic of YouTube, I have a new app, uh, that Jeff found the other day that makes, uh, helps record simultaneously through both cameras. Um, and so it's absolutely just revolutionized our world. Yeah, um, we're still figuring, figuring this out, so bear with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I want to ask... Yes. Jeffrey Bartlett. Yes. I've used your full formal name. Um, tell us about you. Who are you? And how did you get to be here, sitting across our dining room table <laughs> that's a very very big question <laughs> i guess it's not as complicated as my mind is going at the moment <laughs> i don't know okay so as you know my name is jeff bartlett i am from new zealand specifically hawks bay even further in hastings I am 34, turning 35. I hope I got those years right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I work as an architectural graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I guess those are the the typical answers. Is is that kind of what you want to do? (laughs) I have to say, it, it is always really weird. Like, when when someone asks, you know, who are you? And you're trying to come up with something that's like fresh, a hot new take yeah. on, on, you know, the, 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 the answer. And I don't know about you, but when I'm asked that question, I just freeze. I'm just like, um, I can barely remember my own name. Me too. My own age. <laughs> but that's yours and the boys' fault, I must say. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, listener, viewer, um, the reason that Jeff is a bit confused about his age. Uh, Not he- that old that I should be forgetting. No. <laughs> Is that it is a um, a joke within the family um, that Jeff is actually a year older than he actually is, um, which the joke said so often has become a truth, and now uh, all of us really don't 
remember <laughs> Jeff's real age. Um, so it is all a bit very, like, it's a bit confusing. It's it's fraught. Yeah, yeah it's just a number in my mind. I'm sure it doesn't <laughs> reflect who I am. Um, yeah, I guess going back to your question, how do I get to be here? Yes. How did I get to be here? It's a big question. It is a big question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, how Felon I met and how our relationship blossomed kind of coincided with COVID. Mm. It's a big time in everyone's lives. But um, for me, I found it very like a, a blessing in disguise because at the time when New Zealand was about to go into lockdown, we were not living together, but we knew that the lockdown was like there was no set time frame or what the restrictions were. We just knew that we couldn't see each other if we weren't living to living together at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this came after, like directly after our first international trip from New Zealand to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Hardly seems international, but yeah, technically passports were needed. Yes. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we got back, knew that it was getting really bad and New Zealand's about to shut everything down. Um, and I kind of said it without consulting Phil <laughs> that I was going to move in with him. Um, kind of had my bags packed already and kind of showed up at the f- his front doorstep. <laughs> I said, hi, I'm here. <laughs> Um, can I stay? <laughs> Is that how how you, you how I remember it? I listeners of the Lonely Diplomat podcast will know what I say when you just know, like your spidey senses tingle when there's an event happening that you know it's going to be pretty big, and particularly if in diplomacy you work in consular. Um, and I feel that our collective spidey senses were absolutely tingling. We just got out of Australia. Um, we were in, we'd spent a week in Melbourne and I was showing you around like my formative places and spaces in Melbourne and things were just getting real, Mm. um, as that week went on and we left on the Saturday morning and we found out on the Friday night, I think, that Australia was going to close its borders on the Monday and New Zealand was closing its borders on the Sunday. And yeah, we, we just got, like it was the Saturday morning, we left um, Melbourne and got back to Wellington. Um, and yeah, you went home, uh, like to where you were living. Yes. Uh, and you know, uh, I don't even think you did a load of washing. Uh, you know, you put anything in the machine or anything like that. I think that's all I'd had time to do because um, I couldn't go and see the kids mm. because we were unclean and it was strongly suggested that people who had just come back from, like, entered New Zealand, they didn't need to quarantine but strongly encouraged quarantine for two weeks and, and things. And, yeah, I think I just put a load of washing in the machine or something. <laughs> and then, yeah, my spidey, tingy, my spidey uh, senses were tingling. And I think I called you and said, yeah, this, this doesn't feel like it's going to go well. 
Uh, mm, that's how, right. how about that's... you come in like you want to just like you know let's quarantine together mm. uh and i think you said i'm already on the train <laughs> <laughs> i need permission for this <laughs> thank you for the invitation but i'm already here <laughs> and so all the humans like whether you're here on for the lonely diplomat podcast or for, ne- for connection over coffee with the loneliness guy all the humans know that there's something travel with a couple like a, a, as a fresh couple that first trip together can be make or break you learn things about people when you travel that you never learn when you you like you know play like play house yeah. uh at home and we had spent uh it was two weeks back in australia or two weeks in australia for you and back in australia for me um and we had spent a week together in Melbourne before going back to New Zealand. You were over here for work. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, um, like, it was just very easy traveling with you. Um, like, we, you know, we have, I think we all know that I have a, uh, and I'm okay with it, uh, I have a, um, a, a relationship with caffeine. Uh, and Jeff, in many ways, has the same relationship. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. Not gonna lie. Not gonna shy away from it. It's awesome. And you know, uh, having um, you know drinks and dinner with friends and 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 things and each other's friends. And you learn a lot from meeting other people's friends. You learn they learn a lot about you meeting yours. Uh, and I think we just sort of like clicked. Um, what we'd clicked before, but, you know, there was something just very easy about traveling together um, that was very, um, yeah, hopeful. Yeah, and I guess that kind of led straight into the the impromptu moving in together. Yeah, 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 and and it was just like this, you know, duh, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then what happened from your perspective? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Such a tumultuous time in both of our lives. So much was happening Mm. on top of COVID. Mm. Um, Yeah, that, I guess, the saying of under pressure creates diamonds. Yeah, pressure creates diamonds, yeah. Um, Yeah, we... I don't remember having to change a lot of my habits or what i would do usually when i did move in which had was a big like green flag yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so say like you're gonna accept me hopefully if i just be me yeah 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 um let me just say that i don't think we would be making it this far if you weren't being you no no yeah, me neither no no, but I think that's that's a really important point. There's green flags. Uh, we need to pay attention to the green flags as much as the red flags, right? 100%. Everyone gives so much like, emphasis on the red flags, but they can also ignore the green. Yeah. But um, this was something that we had spoken about like really early on in our relationship, before the trip to Australia. Yeah. Um, you, know, you said something very profound and kind of resonated with me and my thoughts were exactly the same Mm. um was that this was shortly after we announced that we kind of liked each other more and just i I remember saying i I kind of sort of like maybe love you (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i said yep um yeah i i think i kind of sort of love you too (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was the following day. That's right. Yep, straight out of the movies. Yeah. Um, we went to breakfast, and you said, "If we are going to make this work, you are going to have to be you. I have to be me, and together we still have to maintain our own individual identities." Yeah. Because we can't lose what we have fought so hard for to get to where we were and are still today. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's... I, I, I often caveat that, hmm? remember... I don't know if you remember this, but but like I, I caveat that by saying, you know, this is probably the most unromantic thing ever. But listeners, viewers of both podcasts will know that I'm huge on boundaries. Yeah. Absolutely huge on boundaries. And boundaries shaped influenced whatever by values and yeah i remember saying to you i've i've done way too much work in myself i finally love myself for being me i'm not gonna you know um change me Mm. um to in the hope that you will accept me more yeah um yeah that for me was the most romantic thing I could have ever said at that point in time because I fell in love with you for you, not for uh, idealized expectation of what you can be. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because that wasn't even a, a, a thought in my mind. Like, yeah. It's just this man in front of me that I love. Yeah. Still do. <laughs> No, I, I I noticed the the tense there, like I didn't put a D at no, the no, end. No, 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 no. It was present tense. It was, <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a relief. Um, yeah, because yeah, it is. I mean, especially when we experience loneliness, and you know, you and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you are listener, you know, when we're in the depth of a loneliness experience, and we can really um, like. The, the, the effects of a loneliness experience long uh, linger long after the, the the moment has passed. And we can be so quick to jettison our parts of ourselves in the hope that that makes us more attractive, that that makes us more lovable um, and stuff. And really, it's very, you know, it's a, almost a habit, I would say, that we have, um, that we cultivate, that we start in in um, in an adolescence, uh, and you know we can get into you know the 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 the, the teenagers in our lives um, and and what we remember about being teenagers from from them living their lives. But yeah, uh- <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it's one of these one of these things that you know we can just be so quick to sell ourselves out. That's the point that I'm trying to make. That. It actually takes... I remember, like, my voice was shaking. And I'm like, this, like, wasn't even 24 hours after, like, you know, the, the kind of stammering of, you know, the bold declaration of love, you know, at um, uh, at, at Wellington Harbour there at, uh, at night after we got, you know, the pub that we were in closed early. I mean, what kind of place is that? But I would say it's like Destiny, like, trying to hurry us up and just say it already. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Because nothing was going on for us. No, that was a terrible. Oh my god! Like yes, that was that was that was a just a big fart of a night, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's meant to be hugely romantic. Just turned into 
Everything but. Um, <laughs> so I, will simply, I will simply say hashtag Wellington happened. Um, it was like a night in January. It was cold. Like it was like August cold. Yeah. It was windy. Freezing, windy. We're at an outdoor concert. It like started packing up and everyone was still having their booze and <laughs> cheese. Oh, it was. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's a great story now, but no, uh, yeah, it, but, but yeah. Suffice to say that we could be so quick to jettison our parts of ourselves in the hope that someone who we're trying to keep, someone or something that we're hoping to keep in our lives. So whether that's a person, whether that's a job, um, whether that's any like you know, we'll just sort of edit ourselves to fit in. And mm. I'm actually proud of myself on reflection, um, and I'm proud of you. For how, you know, I think I know the words now. It's like for holding space, for allowing that to be, because that did seem like a bit of a, you know, an eek moment of like... For both of us. For both, yeah. Because you could have easily have gone, well, thanks, it's been great. But, Mm. you know, I I actually came to this conversation with a shopping list full of all the things that I want to change about you. Like, Yes, no. (laughs) I had a sneaking suspicion that that wouldn't have happened anyway. Um, yeah, I'm sort of my question, aren't I? Sorry, just kind of rambled on. <laughs> Point of a podcast, yeah. Um, but how we ended up in, how I ended up here in Australia, across the table from my love, yes. Phil. Um, so a few months after I moved in, Phil was meant to leave New Zealand to come back to Canberra to work yep yeah we used to work um and that didn't happen because a whole lot of things that i guess were not fully resolved before you would have left if that were the case Mm. um and i can say from my perspective i'm very grateful that you stayed and it made us much stronger yeah um because a whole lot of unknowables if that's a word um started to occur after that like finances where we're going to live yeah um because at the time we ended up being homeless yes and one of my one of my closest friends back in new zealand um opened up his doors at the time where COVID was still a huge thing um to us and gave us a roof over our heads mm. so we're very very grateful eternally um yeah, and then when it came time to you for you to move back, I think we discussed. Like, I knew this day was coming, and in my mind, I don't think I had actually spoken to you about it. But uh, in my mind, I made up, made a, made a decision yep. to move to Australia with you. Yeah, and yeah, you said. Well, it's a, it's a few months away. He's like, yeah, I'm coming with you. <laughs> and that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> um, and I think Phil found out quickly after that that where my mind is set, <laughs> there's very little um, that he can say to change my mind. Mm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, um, 
and not looking uh, at uh, Connection Over Coffee on YouTube, um, Jeff just, just gave like the, the non-verbal cue that he has made his mind up, uh, which is a couple of short, curt little nods. Um, and that, that's, that's enough said. We're moving on. Um, that's full stop underlined that new paragraph like the decision has been made um and uh, <laughs> i sound terrible <laughs> no, no it's bold and declaratory there's like there's there's nothing in that that that's like you know but sometimes rarely rarely do we disagree hmm. but sometimes i'm like um i think we might need to undo the nod <laughs> discuss it a little more which i am more than happy to discuss further <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was terrifying. That mm. that whole time and you know that that story and and if you've been around the lonely diplomat for a while, you realize that I you might remember when I I sent a message to um subscribers saying that I've been 2020'd. Um and in the space of a morning, like we'd had a farewell in Wellington with a whole heap of friends and, and things on the Saturday. And then the Sunday, you know, we'd spent some time with the boys. Um, and, you know, I didn't, you know, at that, ta- at that stage, like the New Zealand border was closed, the Australian border was closed. I couldn't, like, I could leave New Zealand, but I had to quarantine for two weeks in Australia. Then, you know, set up the house here and because the Australian border was closed and the New Zealand border was still closed, I couldn't leave. And what had been the plan of, you know, being able to, you know, jump across the ditch with relative ease, you know, for long weekends and things like that to spend with uh, with with the boys because you were going to be here with me. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I couldn't have been, I couldn't get to you, mm. um, to, to the boys, to you. Uh, if you needed me and I would have been stuck and you know mercifully like people you know in in the workplace were like no you know absolutely fine we'll make it work um you know and within the space of a morning like flights were changed um you know our like the house here had to be vacant for six months and you know I was thinking possums were going to live in here and you know you know, all this, you know, tearing the place apart, you know. Um, for those of you in North America, just imagine possums being uh, raccoons, having a family of raccoons living in your house. Um, but yeah, it was one of these, like this, those, those might be showing my age here, but like sliding door moments um, mm. from that movie in the 90s where, you know, a, a decision. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like one of the, the, the benefits of the decision was that I got to stay well, the costs was that, you know, we had nowhere to live and didn't know when we could leave. Um, you know, we had, you know, a house, a job here, but we couldn't get here mm. um, and couldn't really get a job. Uh, you had a job, obviously, in, in Wellington, but we couldn't get a job in New Zealand. But uh, I, you know, but how long do I get a job for? Um and uh but yeah not having a place to to live and you know constantly living out of a suitcase is incredibly stressful yeah 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 and i I can i can just sense a whole lot of people watching and listening are like going yep 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 it's very very stressful and i think in many ways the specter of 
2020 still affects us not like you know not only us like but you know the the world mm. um and you know where you know i don't know I, I wonder if it's been the best way to go back so quickly to normality to you know let's get things back the way they were in 2019 I'm like, well actually things were great in 2019 um and you know, maybe, maybe, you know, having a, using the opportunity to have a good think and, and, you know, feel the feelings and think the thoughts and, and make changes. Yeah. It's a tough lesson though. Yeah. Tough way to, to learn those lessons. Mm. Um, but yeah. So after all of that, we moved here mm. two years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, and started my life in Australia. My first time leaving New Zealand. Terrifying. <laughs> um, saying goodbye to the family was hard. Mm. And it still is every now and then. But being here with someone that I endlessly trust and with a family that loves me as much as I love them. Mm makes things a whole lot easier yeah 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 a big shout out a big kia to the Fano over yeah. in in <laughs> new zealand and aotearoa but uh yep. yeah i miss you yes everyone. <laughs> they are watching they are yes they are <laughs> they love you yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know um but yeah that's how i came to be here so life's pretty good yeah yeah um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. Me too. Um, and it is a good origin. Like every good story has a great origin story. I think our origin story is, yeah, one of one of the greatest. Yeah, <laughs> in my unbiased opinion. If it was a competition, yeah, we'd win. <laughs> Out of all the relationships that started, you know, around the pandemic, uh, yeah, like a lot of relationships started and a lot ended. Yeah, it's a pivotal moment in everyone's lives. Yeah. Yeah. One way or another. Um, but yeah, I guess now that I've answered your question, finally, sorry for the, the long <laughs> roundabout way of getting here. Um, but I would like to return the same question. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the, um, for me, when I'm interviewed on podcasts, like, mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think I'm, this is the 59th episode of the Lonely Diplomat podcast. This is like episode a bajillion of the lonely, uh, loneliness guy. So the connection over coffee. Um, and, you know, it, sometimes, you know, forget that I've not really, it's odd to talk about myself. To me or just in general? No, I just didn't like to, in, in, in general. Um, I understand that. Yeah. And, you know, once I get started, I can't stop. But um, I thought, like, it just feels a bit odd just sort of going, well, actually, like, I know you didn't ask, but he's everything about me mm. in the hope that something about me and my story resonates and sticks. Um, so, you know, you, you know my, 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 my content mm. actually supports and helps and challenges and inspires and, and, and things, those who are feeling lonely, whether they're, a gay man experiencing loneliness or a diplomat. Yeah, and it's always difficult condensing your whole life <laughs> into yeah. a few sentences. Yeah, but 
I'll give it a go. Like I, I have hit upon like if if someone on on um, on another podcast asked me, uh, and this this is something that I've now landed on, is that I'm a um, a rich tapestry of contradictions. I like that. Yeah, I know it's it's very visual, right? Mm. Um, but it is like I'm an introvert, but an extrovert. I yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, there's just so many things about me that you know I can I can present confidently. I can speak well, but I also really struggle to use my voice mm-hmm. um, at times, and I really struggle at times to put myself out there um, and want to put myself out there in a way that is safe, um, that you know gets the right kind of attention or or the right kind of response or or whatever and so there's a whole like reason there's many 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 reasons for that but one of the things like simply i'm a country boy who has had a city education um and have you know had lots of opportunities to um, like study at uh, a good school that was not without its challenges. It was a boarding school. I was at boarding school for six years. And this is the thing that I also often say now is that my life feels like it's been a struggle to feel that I belong. And can point to many instances in childhood at school um, both primary and secondary school and then at university and you know I went to Melbourne Uni and um, you know which is a, a great school a great um, tertiary institution but I always not always but I can often I can point to many instances in my life where I felt on the periphery mm. of what's going on like the periphery of the friendship group um and when there were invitations being sent out for instance uh for a party on you know a saturday night that was coming up you know um i would not be invited Mm -hmm. um because you know there might have been a, a limit of 20 people and i may have been the 21st person on the list and plenty of instances through life, really. And, and so it feels to me, and this is, this is like really deep, this is like different to um, uh, like a, a general conversation about, you know, between this year and that year, I studied here and then went to here and all that kind of stuff. I can do that if you want. But so many, like the reason that I am here is that I am curious about why I felt that way. Because for me, it ended up why it ended up being the reason for my loneliness, and then getting curious about why I experience loneliness in the way that I do it helped unlock some things, um, which is something that I say all the time now. You've got to sit and listen to your loneliness because your loneliness is telling you something. Mm. As uncomfortable as that may be. Yeah, it makes you feel horrible. Yeah. It makes you feel horrible. But because I, I say that because my loneliness tells me what I, you know, it, it's it's a terrible way that it does it. 
but it tells me what connection I'm missing. Mm. And I now know and I now um, want to say teach, but can provide that service to other people like, okay, you know, maybe we can explore where your loneliness came from in the same way that I explore how my loneliness, you know, where it came from. And it's not fun, it's not comfortable, but it's never as bad as I fear. Mm. Um, but yeah, so part of it, part of my story and is, yeah, I, I um, was a smart kid uh, at school and it felt like school was not the place to be smart. Like the cool kids were good at sport. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. My high school is very similar. <laughs> yeah, I think high, lots of high schools, lots of high schools are very similar. And um, yeah, I didn't really feel like I fitted in mm. because I wasn't like the cool kids. Mm. Um, and then I got into a university where you have to be pretty smart to get in. But I didn't think I was that smart because I was surrounded by really smart people who were like, like my age, but accomplished. They'd like done stuff. They, you know, I don't know, like walked up Mount Kilimanjaro backwards by their 13th birthday or something like that. Like, you know, just deeply impressive people. And I felt way out of my depth. So having felt like I was too much at school and having to dial myself down to be, to fit in, Mm -hmm. but not ever really fitting in, I didn't feel like I was enough at university. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I remember like going to tutorials and seminars and things and a seminar, like this is like final year of um, undergrad, seminar, like four students and a lecturer in a room. That's intense. Yeah. I didn't say anything. And I remember this one subject that actually did awesomely in, like I topped the class um, and looking back, it must've been a nightmare for the professor. <laughs> like wish he would talk. But I remember saying something, summoning up the courage to say something. And I said it. And then like the people around me in the, in the seminar, I was like, um, no. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Got that wrong. That taught me to not say anything ever. Um, and anyway, I, I, you know, did that. Graduated, got a job in the Australian public service, um, moved to Canberra. And then, you know, was again surrounded by amazing people doing amazing things and and things and not feeling good enough. Um, And then, you know, made a career. I want to say made a career out of not feeling good enough, but made a career out of what was next, Mm. what I needed to do next. And that took me to some, you know, pretty fantastic places and do some amazing things and, um, you know, lived got to, to live and, and work in Caracas where I was a, a journalist in Venezuela at a time where it was really spectacularly dangerous to be a journalist, um, like having to wear a helmet and body armour. Um, and I was like, um, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just not like putting myself in, in that kind of danger. Understandable. Um, and then back here in Canberra and then uh, a couple of years in Darwin um, and from Darwin, three years in Ho Chi Minh City. And listeners of the Lonely Diplomat podcast are well familiar, well familiar with what I'm doing right now, which is like, like what, what happened then in my life? Like where, like where were the next few years spent? Mm-hmm. Um, so after Ho Chi Minh City, 
it was back to Canberra for three years and then Seoul for three years. So living and working in Seoul. Um, and I, I was responsible for South Korea and Japan for what I was working on, um, which was just fantastic. So I was working with the respective governments. Um, and then my ex-wife got a posting, uh, her posting was in Caracas and obviously accompanying significant other there and then became the accompanying significant other in Wellington where you were. Uh, and then during that time, um, I started the lonely diplomat. I started writing the book and doing the blog and the, the podcast and, all through this time, you know, while I was in Seoul, I realized that, you know, this, this, well, I had this like emptiness mm. within, but am I answering a, f- a future question? Kind of. Okay. Well, you're going, you're going. No, no, well, well, you know, I just, yeah, like realized that, that the thoughts and feelings that I, you know, uh, you know, I was surrounded by success mm. and I didn't really feel that I was successful. The thing that I'd wanted to do ever since I was 14, I had gotten to do twice and was doing it the second time and was really making a difference, but it felt like it was happening around me mm. and I was in some kind of bubble yeah. where like all the good things wouldn't hit me, all the bad things I wouldn't allow to hit me, um, and yeah, I, I realized after reading a, an, an article in the Boston Globe about how middle-aged men, um, loneliness is so prevalent in middle-aged men. And I'm like, Oof, two things about that hurt. One was that I was entering middle age. Uh, and the second one was about loneliness. And I was like, Oof. but it all kind of just coalesced. And I was like, shit, I don't want to be lonely. That's like... I don't think anybody ever wants to be lonely. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to grow up and be lonely. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of these things. It's like, you know, I didn't want to be lonely. Like, there's no pill mm. to fix loneliness. There's no, like... And, and, and lonely people just seem so needy and, like, old. Like, loneliness was for old people. And I looked around for help and all that kind of stuff. I definitely am getting into a future, like, you know, answer a future question here. That's all good. Don't worry. You got. <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of these things that I was just like, you know, I got, I got really curious about why it was that I felt that I didn't belong. Mm. And I say this a bit now in my work, but this, you know, like I didn't, I didn't grow up wanting to do this. Like this, this kind of has chosen me. And it really is like, I, you know, speak, well, have learned French, did seven years of French, so all the way through school and and advanced French in first year at uni. Then I sort of thought, well, I don't really need to read Sartre and Camus, uh, all the French existentialist authors in French. I think my French is probably at a a point where I can probably get by now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the language building at uni, I went upstairs to the German department and started learning German um, and then learned and speak Spanish well from living in Venezuela, um, learned Vietnamese, learned Korean, um, a little bit of Japanese on the side, 
um, and, you know, through you, a bit of Tereo. Um, but yeah, it's, how do, how do I like rein this answer in? I, I love words. That's no surprise to anyone. I love words. But when it comes to talking about loneliness, and I think this answer is a case in point, there's no real words that we know as a society, wherever we are in the world, how to talk about it. Mm. And because we don't know how to talk about it, we don't talk about it. Yeah, I understand. And there's a very, I guess, it's, part of your slogan destigmatizing loneliness that whenever someone thinks of loneliness like you said before uh, first image in my mind before delving into this world of loneliness with you was older people yeah yeah so it's it's in a lot of ways um you don't want to discuss it and when someone does it kind of brings up some something in them as well yeah it's so true um because you know one of the one of the ways like when you i'm definitely getting into another question um answering another question here so i'll, I'll, I'll try and bring it back to how i got to here yes but i just want want to make really clear that I didn't want to be here. Like my life, like my life plan 10 years ago didn't have me doing this. Didn't have me living this either. Like it wouldn't have been you, you know, in, in, in that plan 10 years ago, I was so lost and really hoping that I would find the thing that would cure what was like the niggling within me that mm. came up from time to time. Yeah. And in the same respect, I don't think I would have been in your periphery in my life 10 years ago. Yeah. Because who I was when we first met was most definitely not the person who I was 10 years ago. Yeah. Go on. Because <laughs> that's that's my that's my question to you is like you know how does how has loneliness shown up in your life? Mm. Yes, um, loneliness in my life I don't know was the reason for a lot of things that I that caused a lot of stuff in my life. Um, maybe because it was disguised as something else or a different emotion whether that been sadness depression anxiety anger um and that was at a very surface level was mm. i personally at the time was comfortable seeing was that emotion and mm. not going any further um but yes i grew up in a, a country village it's not many a town. There's about no. 20 people and they're all my aunties and uncles and cousins. You're related to it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of myself in a lot of people I interacted with. I mm. knew I was gay at a very young age and I didn't have many role models to understand what feelings I was feeling and 
who I thought I was, might mm. be. Um, and in a very scared way, I tried to deny it, however way I, ca- I could. Um, yeah, so that way I started building facades or masks mm. to conceal and hide and protect myself at the time. Uh, yeah, from bullying, comments. I was not very resilient at, at a young age. Yeah. But I quickly had to build that thick skin, especially transitioning from primary school, which is in the country, to my high school, which is an all-boys high school. Um, I wasn't very sporty, but the high school was very sports-oriented. And none of my peers at primary school went to the high school that I went to. So I really felt alone, Mm. which kind of presented a opportunity to reinvent myself at the time mm. to to keep pursuing this person that I thought I wanted to be and not who I was mm. yeah teenage years happened <laughs> yeah um, yeah high school for me at the time was not very good I was very academically inclined and I had really good grades but emotionally I was like a mess didn't know who I was, didn't know what path I wanted to lead in the future. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to get out of Hawke's Bay where I grew up, where I went to high school. So I went to university as soon as I could. Um, and again, didn't know anyone from high school who went to Wellington where I went to university. So another opportunity presented itself to reinvent who I was. And... There was a lot more people in the rainbow community in Wellington at the time. Yep. And that allowed me to explore that further. So for all those years, I tried to suppress myself and my sexual orientation as a gay man. I could finally embrace it in a way um, in my formative years throughout university. So... Hmm. How has um, loneliness has shown up in my life? It. I reflect on those early years at university because even though I had the opportunity to explore who I thought I was inside from such a young age, I was catapulted into a world where I didn't know who I was in the gay community. Mm. So I tried to emulate who I saw, what I saw, doing stuff that everyone else was doing, possibly in a really unsafe way because I didn't have people to guide me through mm. those those experiences. But, yeah, in a strange way, the freedom offered another way to get lost. In the community, mm. which catapulted me further into loneliness. <laughs> um, as, as a gay man, especially a, a new gay man, a lot of people in my community at the time still wanted to find out what box or category I fitted into. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Um, and I didn't know what these categories were. I didn't know if I ever did fit into them. And I know now I don't. <laughs> Those categories are just arbitrary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trying to fit into those different c- categories that everyone wanted me to be in made me further lost and succumb to further loneliness for a number of years. Um, yeah. So it wasn't until I hit a really bad patch of my life, which was a few years before I met you, yeah. um, that life wasn't what I wanted it to be or where I thought I would be in at that point in time. And I knew something had to change. So mentally, I prepared myself to... This is hard to explain. To be comfortable and being alone for, being alone for the rest of my life. Mm. And that was the biggest turning point for me to be comfortable with myself. Okay. Yeah. Because if I'm the only person that's going to be the consistent (laughs) um, thing throughout my life, I need to know who I am and love who I am. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it, it did take a long time to get to that point and it's still a continuing process. But going deep into who you are is such a hard thing to do. Yeah. Especially if, um, for me at the time, there was so much baggage and masks that I had to take off. Yeah. That were kind of part of my skin. Mm. That I had to unveil to see the truth underneath it all. three things Mm. firstly thank you welcome (laughs) (laughs) um it is like always such a privilege to hear stories of loneliness like it is always a privilege secondly um it's really um yeah like the it feels as though the acceptance oh sorry the second point is the hitting of rock bottom when essentially we get to a point and you got to this point where things had to change Mm. things couldn't keep going as they were or they could keep going as they were but it might not have had a great outcome yeah and it was an outcome that was like no <clears throat> and when it comes to loneliness, I feel that hitting the rock bottom is a terrible way, but an also effective way of doing the third thing that I wanted to say, which is accept it. Mm. Because what I heard you say there was that you were doing all sorts of things with all sorts of people in all sorts of ways that was taking you away from, you know, who you were, but you didn't really know who, like who you are, but you didn't really know who, and you were trying to find you in the hustle. Yeah. It's like doing a puzzle without knowing what the puzzle 
is. Yeah. 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 Um, and viewer, listener, Jeffy's unbaggy-zing our puzzles. Um, I love that. <laughs> um, and... It's one of those one of those things that you know we we get to a point where the alternative is really the only thing that's left, which was the only thing that we could ever do anyway, mm. which is accept the loneliness. But we might not know that it's loneliness. We might you know it might be you know as you were saying, it showed up as anger. It showed up as. Um, uh, anxiety, depression, anxiety, depression. yeah, 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 and you know, if if and 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 for me, that was a very similar thing. Like you know, when I realised, or when I you know realised that there was a, an emptiness within me, I kind of did the checklist of like mental health. You know, I'm sure many mental health professionals are like yelling uh, at the screen or or you know into the speakers right now. It's like, don't diagnose yourself. Yes. But we all do. We all Google. <laughs> um, and I, I remember looking and going, well, no, I don't feel depressed. Mm. I don't feel depressed. I don't feel anxious. Like, I felt anxious, but only over, like, you know, I don't know, like something tough at work or, or, or whatever. But there was anxiety there, constantly fearing that I'd be found out as a fraud. Mm. Found out for my sexuality, found out that I just thought my whole career was like this huge big mistake <laughs> and and things. But it wasn't until that point that you realized as well that, you know, the, 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 the long nights of the soul, the bargaining, the, you know, the wishing away, the hoping it will just go away, the, mm. you know, the numbing, the coping, the avoiding, the maybe if I just did this thing one more time mm. whatever the thing is like the shopping the trip the um you know like more work more study yeah. you know whatever it is anything like anything for a distraction anything mm. to distract and really you know so when we hit rock bottom we hit rock bottom exhausted mm-hmm. <laughs> because we've spent so much time you know we you and i both hit rock bottom exhausted because we've spent so much time avoiding and running from that you know the loneliness is just like going okay are you ready are yeah. you ready now are you ready it's now not moving. <laughs> and, and so you know that's why like it sometimes seems like such a, a huge hurdle it's because you're trying to run like i'm just going to mix a metaphor here but you're trying to run the steeplechase after like running a marathon mm. and of course like something you know, like hurdles that, you know, you could leap in a single bound. When you're exhausted, you're just like, and you're crawling. Any kind of hurdle, like, just looms large over you. Yeah. I think me, the um, distractions that I surrounded myself with were, n- were no longer effective either. Yeah, it gets to that point, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like trying to find that 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 distraction to give you the, the euphoric feeling again. Yeah. And the thing about that euphoric feeling, obviously, is like the more you do it, the further away it gets, mm. the more you need to do. Yeah. Keep chasing it. Yeah. And then it's completely out of reach. Yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. No. So I'm really proud. And I recognize Thank like, you. you know, in, in your story, like, you know, my 
story as well. And, and, and this is what's so common about what I see. Yeah. And that is the acceptance. Because I don't think my story is um, at all isolated. Yeah. Like, we all, in some way or another, feel that something's missing. And like you said, that feeling is loneliness and it's trying to tell you something that mm. when you're ready to sit and listen to it, it will tell you. Um, this is why I love you. Like the only reason, like <laughs> you can go deep on this. And one of the things here is that it really is, um, uh, I contend that the thing that is missing, like the void, the absence feels like it was for you. Certainly was for me. The absence was me. Mm. It was me being me and I, in, in, in both the loneliness guy and the lonely diplomat in different ways, but really the same way, mm. like, you know, the, the, the context might be a bit different, the, the words used, but the feeling is much the same. It comes from the same place. If you're not being you where you are, I wasn't being me where I was. And I'm going to say you weren't being you. Not at all. And I think... Sorry. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, moving here to Australia was a, a, a very cleansing moment in my life where I could wholeheartedly look in the mirror and say I love myself before I came here. A lot of it had to do with you too. Like, our conversations, our everything, because we're so like honest and mm. how we feel. Mm. Um, that me coming here, I promise myself that I'll always show up as me every day. Yep. <laughs> Moving forward, because I know the connections that I would make, the interactions that I would have are genuine and true for me. So not showing up as anybody else but me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. It's hard. Not, yeah, it's not at all easy. <laughs> like so hard. Yeah. So hard. But it's beautiful, the results of what has happened over the past two years being in Australia, the people that I've met, the friends that I've met. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying like the friendships that I had and you had and have in New Zealand are not true because I love every one of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> throughout my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, I know how I show up, who I am. They know who I am. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain, but there's a, uh, Instant connection when someone accepts you for you. Yeah. They show up for you as you. And I'm going to say that feels... We get a particular insight in that when we come out of the closet. Mm. Yeah. And, and this is something that I say a lot in my work. That we need to come out not only 
you know, sometimes it's not safe to come out of the closet. And, you know, that's, that's, mm. you know, um, uh, not for one, like not for one moment. Am I saying that, you know, we need to come out at all costs because sometimes that cost, depending on where you are in the world is like death. Yeah. So, um, like not for one moment am I saying that, but when it comes to loneliness, part of the acceptance the step after acceptance is essentially the coming out as lonely because for the very reason that you said, and I've experienced this, you know, when you come out as lonely and, you know, you don't have to start, you know, write a book or a blog or a podcast and, you know, be, be in the media as the guy who gets, you know, the, the loneliness guy or the lonely diplomat. You don't have to do any of that. But when you come, like what we're talking about here is like showing up in the world with vulnerability Mm. and authentically and there is no easy way of doing that there's no like certainly for me there is like oh my god i would desperately love to go back to that time and not fake it but actually mean it Mm. like you know being able to step up and you know to to do things in my career without i used to live in fear and i know this is really common but i used to live in fear of someone essentially like a lifeguard at a pool blowing a whistle and Calling like and going oi McAuliffe get out mm. like everything that you've done is a fraud and we've just found you out like get out and I'd have to like swim to the edge of the pool and like do the walk of shame mm. um, and I now know <laughs> that's super common and very easy to deal with like not like in theory it's easy to deal with yeah. but it takes practice yeah. to, 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 to do it but what it does take is the acceptance. The first step to doing all of this is the acceptance. Mm. And the acceptance of loneliness, it means essentially owning your loneliness and then coming out as lonely. Mm. And if that makes your guts drop, if it makes your sort of heart skip a beat, if it makes, you know, your sphincter constriction, <laughs> like, you know, make you sort of go, Eek! then... Okay, good. Do you think that acceptance it shows up differently for everyone when yeah. they say loneliness is part of my life? Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. And just like with you, and it's a beautiful thing because we spend, like I've spent a lot of my life running away from it, like running away from it, desperately hoping that I wasn't and then hustling to try and fit in. Mm. And... There's a beautiful moment when someone talks about their loneliness and there might be tears and there's a lot of like, oh, like saying things that they've never said aloud before. Mm. They may have thought it, may have, but then quickly dismissed it as being too horrible. But then there's a lightness that comes after speaking it. Mm. There's a lightness of going, oh, the thing that I actually have been running from, I've said it and I'm still here. The world hasn't imploded. No. And what has, ha- what has just happened, and, and this happens to me, happens to me all the time. It is still hard to come out. Yeah. As lonely still hard sometimes to come out as gay 
but you know, kind of have done it in a pretty both things in a pretty major way, pretty public way too. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the way I do things. Yeah. Like once I once I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I'm accepted, like and committed. Um, and as part of that, if if you know, you take or leave me, or viewer, listener, you take or leave me, like that's not up to me. My job is to be me. Hmm. And in environments like the gay community, as you have just said, like gay communities, but, um, you know, where we are, it feels like we are hustling to fit into the box so other people know how to categorize us. Yeah. Like, how, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. It's like, I mean, like your, your sort of response there sort of feels to me like it speaks to the ridiculousness of it, but that's what we do. Mm. It's like making it um, more, how, words. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, making sense to someone as to how to interact with us. Yeah. 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 Which in the end comes down to us. Like you've said many, many times before, we need to educate people how to treat us. Through boundaries. Through boundaries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then if if we are, um, you know, that, that, that point of coming out and having shared the story and the story, God, this is powerful. I just, I remember each and every time that I shared my story and it being met with empathy I also remember many times where it was met with pity. And I'm like, no. That's when you quickly find out who your people are, though. Yeah. yeah. And pity, pity, I have learned, is a response that sounds like empathy, but it is actually putting emotional distance between me and them. They're, they're taking a big step back. And I get it. Like, this is not the fun, fun topic. And it's a very confronting topic. But... I'm, I love that moment when someone goes, like, they, they, they realize. And I just saw it in you, in you sharing that story. And I feel it every time that I share my story. That, like, I'm not broken. Yeah. We're just human. Yeah. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's like you live with me or something. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's one of those things that you're just like shit, like, and it's hard to not sound like Kelly Clarkson here. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's so true. But it's so true. Let's have a dance break for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like crank the stereo up. But yeah, it, it's 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 this 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 realization that the thing that you haven't that you've been lugging around, hiding, trying to hide. And so, you know, is actually a source of strength. Yeah. And, you know, I, I spoke about, you know, the, the, you know, the, the LGBTIQA plus community, which for a community that professes acceptance and tolerance and stuff has got a lot of work to do. Like um, when it comes to diplomacy in a similar way, the hustle 
to make it sound like you are always ready, like you're ready to, to like your spidey senses going way back to the start of the conversation. Like your spidey senses are always on mm. because it simply is not good enough, we fear, that you are caught flat-footed. Mm. Because depending on the, 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 the issue, being caught flat-footed could be like a minor embarrassment on one end of the spectrum. Or being caught flat-footed is the thing that opens the nightly news uh, at home that night mm. and has, you know, the foreign secretary, the foreign minister answering uncomfortable questions in the media because you didn't answer your phone and you weren't totally across everything and every, like everything everywhere all at once, yeah. right? Movie that we watched the other weekend. <laughs> but yeah, and, and it's impossible. But God, it doesn't stop us trying, trying to fit in to these environments which are fundamentally invested in you and me not being who we are. Mm. Um, 100%. And I don't know, as you were speaking, it kind of it, um, ignited some, a thought in my mind that through me embracing who I am here in Australia, um, I had to be comfortable in failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... And like the failure is not in like you do something wrong or something wrong at work and something just kind of continuously gets bad, bad, bad. But failure in connections or not living up to other people's expectations of you, like being more comfortable in your own skin, I should yeah. say. Can't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. It's like too much awesomeness coming at once. Yeah. Mm. Flooding my brain. <laughs> yeah. And the airwaves now. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it is. Now, one of the things about being authentic, being vulnerable, is the fear of judgment and the judgment of being a failure. Hmm. That's where I was getting to. Uh, yeah. God, it's like we know each other. I know. But it really is this this whole, yeah, yeah. Like there are so many demands on us, largely that we put on ourselves. Sorry, I'm going to correct my language here. There are so many demands that I put on myself for a whole range of different reasons in a whole, like, you know, across the spectrum of life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, where I have said, where I have demanded perfection from myself. I was about to say excellence from myself, but excellence is different to perfection. Mm. So some days, excellence is another day's mediocre. Yeah. And I'm learning, aren't I, um, that sometimes what passes as medi- in mediocrity in my experience 
is excellence at some other times. Hmm. And you get to see that. Yeah. Like... I wouldn't replace it for anything else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not going to say, viewer, listener, that that's clean and tidy. It's often very messy. Mm. Um, and But giving myself permission to get it wrong, giving myself permission to not be perfect, when for me, so much in life felt like and you know i say this on the lonely diplomat a lot when there's perception and then there's reality perception always wins out so when the perception was that anything less than perfection was not good enough Mm. then yeah like it's very hard when someone comes someone on the internet goes hey hey like the key to you being you is to be authentically you like go do like no like that's that's really hard when it feels that you are in many respects when i feel in in many respects that i'm surrounded by perfection and of course it's crap it's a mirage like it's not perfection it's just a whole lot of other people doing their very best and yeah. not showing up until they are um feel that they're ready mm. And so, you know, um, you know, physically, like physical perfection is the thing that gives me acceptance, mm. was a belief. Um, having the sharpest mind, the quickest wit was the thing that, you know, would have me feeling accepted mm. and not just accepted, belonging. Yeah. Something you said before, perception versus reality. Mm. And for me, that's how I monitor showing up as myself most most days. Not every day, most days. Yeah. Um, yeah, making sure your perceived reality is actual reality. And that I try to do by asking those who I trust around me to tell me. Mm. Really important to have your team, isn't it? Yeah. and through you the boys friends at work yeah (laughs) friends at home um yeah to make sure that my perceived reality is what is real beyond my periphery yeah beyond beyond and same with me it's like you know beyond the very busy brain like is is actually real yeah because we, we can always let our thoughts run run around. <laughs> oh, my God. Run amok. Like, going absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, yeah, we always need. I always need. You have. I always need. And, viewer, listener, you too. You always need people in your life and who call you out, who call you forward, and go, you know, actually... That wasn't your finest moment. And, you know, I think you could do better next time. Mm. So here I am dusting you off. Like You're going to get back in the saddle and you're going to go again. Um, but, you know, when you like, like, what is it? The, Kate, the Keats poem. Ever tried, ever failed. No matter. Try again. Fail again. Fail oh, better. Yeah. 
So when you're getting back on that, I'm just mixing all the metaphors here, but like, you know, when you're getting back on that horse, like here for you to like, what can you fail better at this time? Hmm. And that's another thing too, like receiving that in a way that's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's allowing, it's allowing other people in to do that, to see you at your, like at your messiest. Mm. And so I don't know about you, but for me, like one of the criterion to be like in my, in my life, like, like in the inner sanctum, like the privileged people in the VIP box. Mm. It's like, you've got to be real. Yeah. I'm not having any of this shit, not having any of the, like the, 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 the pretend, the facade, like if, if we're going to be, if we're going to connect, like I'm here to connect with you. Mm because I'm showing up as me and not everyone. And this is something that I often struggle with in the work that I do. Like I, it's like a balance that I always try and and do is like, how do I show up enough? Because yeah, like, I don't know, like sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard at times to show up in a way that other people can like strangers, strangers Mm -hmm. on the internet can, relate to me in a way and my story in like the right way and there's all always like you know people who really don't seem to take too kindly to how i love right um like whatever <laughs> like okay and i say this that you know if you if you can't accept me for who i am then you're not worthy. You've outed yourself as unworthy of my awesomeness. And sometimes that's a very easy thing to say. And sometimes it's a really hard thing to say. It's a hard lesson to say. But showing up as yourself is saying that to yourself every day. Yeah. Gee, I wish this was easy. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. So I'm just keeping an eye on the time here. Like it's, it's, it's been a while. (laughs) Like this has been going for a while. Oh, but I've got one more question for you. Yes. What's your favorite thing about us? That's a really hard question. <laughs> and it's not because you're here. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite thing about us. You make it easy for me to be me. Every day. Mm. I think that's our, our favorite thing. Yeah. And I say that very selfishly. Because I only, I only can perceive our relationship from my perspective. Yeah. But like I've said before, I only ever want to show up as myself moving forward. Yeah. And you make that continuously easier every day. That's our favorite, my favorite thing about us. What a joy. Like, that's such a joy. Mm. And, yeah, for me, again, from my, like, my half of the relationship, you demand me to be me. Yes. <laughs> like, so... Sometimes being me is not that comfortable. Me neither. No, no, and I don't think it's ever meant to be. No. Um, 
presume like the presumption that life is going to be easy and fun and a rollicking good time stops us from confronting life when it gets a bit tough mm. and makes the tough times tougher. Yeah. But for me, literally, I could not do what I'm doing without you. Mm. Thank you. I couldn't do what I'm doing in the world right now without you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Like, me doing this is because of you. And it's so wonderful, scary, humbling, all the things that you have such faith in me being me. It kind of goes back to our very first conversation after we said the L word. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All the way back to the beginning again. Yeah. Yeah. That we need us to be ourselves. Yeah. And 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 the cheer squad. And what a privilege it is to be in each other's VIP boxes. Mm. But also, like, it's a privilege to parent with you. Because, you know, if, if viewer, listener, you weren't aware, like, you know, I, um, from my previous relationship to, um, to kids, and you came along and, you know, I was very open. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, there's me and two kids. And you were like, yep. <laughs> and? <laughs> and... You know, and, 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 you know, between all of us, you know, you, me, the boys, the wider family, like, you know, it's like we're, we're showing up as us mm. and creating an environment where those in our lives, be they our children or our friends, are safe to be themselves. Mm. even if they don't know that don't know what that means yeah. right then I agree that's one of the best gifts that we can offer anyone in our lives yeah yep. I'm going to take that a step further best gift that we can give like I can give myself and you and those in our lives. 100%. This went, like, this went in a direction that I didn't anticipate it would go in. No, I've still got two questions here, which we're not going to touch upon. I think we already have anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is, like, I think it, it got to the where it needed to get to. Yeah. In a way that's very us. Yeah. Very chatty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and I think the pot of tea is done too. Um, it's cold. Yeah, yes. we needed to put the tea cozy on it. Um, <laughs> bloody hell! Uh, anyway, listener, viewer on YouTube, just thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Jeff, my love. Thank you so much for spending some time. 
connecting over coffee slash tea and uh, on the lonely diplomat podcast today thank you so much for having me it's been a privilege oh thank you my love Thank you for joining us for this episode. Again, I'm so grateful for Jeff for so many things. He's smart, he's wise, he's super sexy, and he has a wicked sense of humor. I love how he's committed to being his awesome self in the world, and I'm honored to have a front row seat in life as he does that. That's it for this episode. Remember, check the link in the show notes to head over to thelonelydiplomat.com to see the services I offer and whether they'd be a good fit for you. In wrapping up this episode, I want to invite you to join the mailing list. If you're on the mailing list, you won't miss any content when it's released on the website and you get exclusive insights about what's happening around The Lonely Diplomat. If you've got a question for me or any feedback, please connect with me on socials or send an email to admin at thelonelydiplomat.com. And remember... Tap like, leave a written review, and share this episode with your friends. It helps others in your social circle who may be quietly experiencing loneliness as they live their diplomatic life to know that they're not alone and that you're a safe space to talk about loneliness and how it can make us feel. It does sound like you're getting ready to go, so until next time, be awesomely and humanly you because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally, and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.